Welcome to Pod Oxford, the podcast series about Oxford admissions. I'm Mike Nicholson, Director of Undergraduate Admissions, and with me today are Ben Gould, Law Tutor at Somerville College and Organising Secretary for the Law Faculty, and Leora Lazarus, Law Tutor at St Anne's College. And obviously today we're going to be talking about interviews for law. Uh, ben, if I can start with you. Um, I think a question often that is asked of, uh, by candidates is, is why are we interviewing? There's a lot of law schools that don't, so what makes Oxford so special? Um, I mean, we, I think we think interviewing is important because it's the best way to assess the candidate as a whole. And one of the difficulties in assessing candidates is we have all these pieces of information and they all mean different things and tell us different things. So we think that actually looking at their paper application and then having a chance to talk to candidates really gives us the best feel for that particular person. It's very time consuming and um, luckily we're in a position where we're able to do that. Perhaps other universities aren't, but we, we feel quite strongly that it's worth the resources. And I guess also a conversation about law, which is effectively what the interview will, will end up at. It's a bit of a reflection in the teaching style that we're going to be adopting with candidates when they come here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of the, the indicators that we put on the law faculty website is about the capacity to be engaged in that kind of teaching. So I think an interview is a reflection of the way that people are going to respond to an intimate teaching relationship. And the other point I'd make, in addition to what Ben said, is that the interview is only one part of the assessment process. So I think um, because it's often seen as quite nerve-wracking for candidates, it's mm. the kind of thing that everybody thinks is the make-or-break scenario, whereas in fact it's one of a variety of, of factors that we take into account when we assess a candidate. And it's not all one interview either, is it? It's no, I mean, we, we try very hard to make sure that every candidate gets at least two interviews, um, usually with the same college. Um, partly because we appreciate that everyone can do a bad interview and we hope that in giving you two bites of the apple, in a sense, it means that if someone's nervous perhaps in the first interview, they have a chance to recover for the second. But also because we want to sort of look at many, many different criteria and simply one interview wouldn't be enough. Mm. So we hope to, A, be fair and give people more than one chance, but also we have a lot of things to cover through, work through and, and to talk to people about. And, and that approach now is universal across the collegiate university? We hope so, yes. Yeah. I, mean, I think now it's the case that nearly all, if not all, colleges offer two interviews at least, and sometimes more, depending on how many candidates they have and what their resources are. And I think then that nicely leads on to the question uh, about what actually happens at interview, because for many well, students this may be the first time they've ever had an academic interview. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the first point for me as a, as a tutor in interviewing, and I'm, I, I'm sure a lot of my colleagues agree with me is that you, you really want to get to know the candidate so that you'll have for the first few five minutes really just a discussion about who they are mm. and the starting point for that is their UCAS form because they've given you information about themselves and their personal statement and uh, it's quite nice to find out and to meet people and to have an interesting discussion about it and I'd say that in that first five minutes that's not really when we assess the candidates because it's scary for them and we want to make sure that everybody's comfortable and then the next stage would be clearly explained to the candidate in the room as a series of tests, questions, which really are there to, to assess someone's potential, um, to reason legally. And that, I think, is um, the part that the candidates are most nervous of. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think, I don't know how many times I've explained to candidates, and I think they appreciate it in the room, that these are really a, are attempts to get them to reason through. So there's no real right or wrong answer. There's mm -hmm. a, it's an attempt to get the candidates to tr play with problems, logical problems, 
um, questions usually designed to have no prior knowledge so that the candidates are being tested on what they know but mm. how they might go about solving a legal problem. And it's it's that that I think that candidates have to trust us most in, um, in that we'll, 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 we'll hold their hand through that reasoning mm. process. Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to add. No, I mean, I think, I think Leora's made some good points. I mean, I think one thing to emphasise is we, we appreciate it's a very um, intimidating and new thing for mm. candidates. Coming up when you're 16 or 17 to interview at Oxford is, is inherently quite stressful. Mm. So I think there's a lot of effort made by the interviewers to really put people at ease. And, and one thing I would stress from that is that we don't try to ask trick questions. Experience yeah. has shown most of us that asking trick questions doesn't do anyone any good. It makes the candidate nervous and possibly uncomfortable, and it doesn't give you any particularly good information. Mm. So when we say to candidates, you know, really take your time, relax as best you can, and try and answer the questions as best you can, there's no, there's no hidden agenda mm. that um, it doesn't serve us. And so a lot of the interview is about really having a dialogue and a discussion and trying to see how we can explore problems together and the sort of things that we do in a tutorial. Mm. It's really, in many ways, replicating the teaching process that the candidate will experience if they come to Oxford. So we want to see if people are suited to that also. Can I just ask, I mean, you, whilst there's criteria that you are looking for and the interview is trying to identify, it's not so heavily structured that everybody gets exactly the same questions and... No, because what we have, I mean, I is a sort of list of questions we can draw upon which mm. relate to the particular criteria we have. Mm. And some candidates have the kind of confidence in interviews that they get through the questions quicker than other candidates. Mm. That's not for me really necessarily the key point that I would be judging on, but they tend to be able to sort of move through them quicker. Mm. Some candidates have more interesting and reflective responses to one question. Yes. We might have a really interesting debate about that question, mm. and they may be able to engage in another form of reasoning which would be really enlightening to us. Mm. So yes. you, you can't assess, it depends on the different types of candidates, how quickly you'll move through those questions. Mm. Mm. Um, and uh, for that reason, the candidates can't expect to have the same questions, particularly if they're talking to, when they're up for interview, talking to each other. Mm. Yeah. I and mean, it's certainly the case that with interviewing, because no two candidates are the same, then no two interviews will be the same. Mm. And I think it's very important that we keep that in mind. And we try and adjust. Yeah. Some people will come in more nervous than others. Some people, the question that we ask them, they may have already thought about. Mm. And so we're constantly adjusting that process um, to make sure that, in a sense, whilst people may get different interviews, they all get a fair interview. Yes. And I think that's, that's something we work quite hard at, both in terms of training and guidance to tutors. And having observed some interviews last year uh, during the interview period, I found tutors were very good at spotting candidates who were basically trotting out rehearsed answers. Yes, that's right. Um, and, you know, very effective at moving people on as well. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's not so much that we... Um, don't want students to feel confident when they come in the mm. room and have a sense of preparation. It's just that often they're not hearing exactly what the question is, so they, they think it's the question they've been taught to answer. Yes. And then they kind of give you the, the prepared answer. And that doesn't reveal them best, because in my experience, a candidate that doesn't really give a closed answer to a question is the more interesting candidate. So mm. they come along and they sort of reflect and they might not have heard this before, but then they, they say, well, maybe I'm wrong, and then they go start again, and that's fine. That's really interesting because they're actually thinking aloud. Um, and that's the difficulty I have with with, um, with students who feel that they have to have everything prepared mm. because they, it's really, I think, interesting to see people thinking mm. in interview. Can I ask, uh, obviously... The law tutors have very specialist interests within law. Mm -hmm. Does that factor into the questions that they're going to ask? 
Well, no, I think I think normally what we try to do is have a spread of, of different tutors who are interviewing and we have a, an agreed set of questions which mm. cover all the different aspects of law because it wouldn't be fair just to assess a candidate on one territory mm. if they're going into a law degree that is going to test them on all different types of mm. law. So candidates don't need to worry about, you know, Dr Gould, your particular area of interest is X yep. and I'm only going to get questions on X. No, I mean, I think it's the case that we, we feel quite strongly that students should have a prior knowledge of law before they come. Mm -hmm. um, some will. Some mm -hmm. will have done A-level law or something equivalent. Um, we ask questions, um, we often ask questions that have a legal content, but you don't need to know anything. Mm. In a sense, that just structures the question. Um, and with regards to our interests, well, some of us have very general interests and some of us have very esoteric interests. Mm. I mean, asking students about... Um, privacy law might be a bit of a stretch. Mm. So we are very conscious of the fact that people are coming to us not knowing anything mm. and we think that's important that we treat everyone in, in sort of fairly in that respect. And we do a quality check on the questions that they're not so obscure that the candidates can't understand why you're asking this question. Yes. Um, and they're really there to try and get basic logical yes. thinking, moving, reasoning, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. All the candidates obviously will have sat the Law National Aptitude Test. Yeah. Uh, prior to coming. The LNAT, yeah. A lot of students are probably worried that whatever they've given as answers as part of the LNAT might be picked up on at interview. They shouldn't be trying to furiously remember what they said or it's part of the process. No, I mean, I think the, the LNAT has two parts, obviously, the multiple choice and the essay. I mean, the, the purpose of the LNAT is to provide us with one more piece of information when we try and make decisions about who to interview and then ultimately who to admit. The unfortunate, but perhaps fortunate reality for us is we get many, many more applicants than we have places. Mm. And many of those applicants on their A-levels, GCSEs or equivalent are very difficult to separate. Mm. So we look at things like personal statements, references, and a few years ago we thought having a standardised test would also give us another piece of information. Yep. Um, because we think it would be very sad to not interview or not select someone simply on the basis of a, of a failing in one of those things. So the more information we have, the better. Mm. Um, with respect to asking about the LNAT in interviews, by that point, I think the tutor's already been satisfied that the LNAT has been has helped them get to the point where they think they should interview the candidate. They might ask them about their writing sample or their essay, but, but as Leora has indicated, probably for the basis of having a discussion rather than simply checking answers. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm more inclined to actually... I mean, I've never asked a question about the writing sample in the LNAT. Mm. I'm more inclined to ask them about their personal statement. Mm. And that really is just to, to have some kind of discussion. Mm. And there's... One, on a couple of rare occasions, a, a personal statement has led to a, a kind of logical question. Yes. Um, um, but that's this question of, that you would judge and you would have to be able to sort of extend it. Yeah. Um, but I think the writing sample in the, in the LNAT is, is more, we're looking at it more for the capacity to write rather than some kind of debate in the interview. Yeah, that's true. And I guess candidates are applying to a range of universities, some which will, which will be asking them to take LNAT, some won't. Mm. Um, I guess for us as a university, we're using the LNAP primarily as a selecting tool alongside the other criteria for interview. Um, yeah, who I mean, we invite it, forward. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the most difficult set of decisions for us, obviously, is who we interview because we, we get over a thousand applicants every year and we really can't interview everyone. Mm. So it does have value at that point. But I, you know, one should stress we would, it's not the only criteria and we certainly, we only put it in context. Yeah. So one score on the LNAT is simply another piece of information we use and we look at the UCAS form and the results that are contained on it as a whole. Mm. Um, so people shouldn't, I mean, obviously people should take the LNAT seriously, but they shouldn't think of it as somehow this, this magical thing that sits differently from all the other criteria. Um, it's quite important to realise it's just another piece in the puzzle. Candidates will 
often have all sorts of ideas about um, who's going to be interviewing, what the interview is going to be like. They're not going to have to worry about sort of coming into a room and being confronted by people in kind of full judicial gowns and wearing wigs or anything like that. It's, no, I mean, well, yeah, that's a. I mean, it's interesting. You also both both Leora and I are not from England. I'm Australian, and Leora is South Africa, and, and we when we arrived here, we probably heard the same sort of myths about Oxford. And I think if ever that was true, it certainly isn't now. And I, I think going back to the earlier point. Trying to make the candidate feel uncomfortable serves no one's mm. no one's interests. So us dressing up in judicial robes and asking bizarre questions of the sort that you often see on websites, all that would do is make the candidate uncomfortable and probably do a bad interview. So it doesn't help us in the end, mm. um, and it doesn't test anything. Apart from I mean, everything else, it make me feel uncomfortable. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not inclined I'm most to dress up either. I'm most comfortable in jeans, and uh, certainly don't want to be hanging around with with big robes big on, on. But uh, no, so I think that I mean I think those myths. Those myths persist, and I think it's inevitable when you have a, a university that's as old as ours that there are lots of stories that develop mm. over time. But we like to think that the interviews are, are very professional, very fair, and not designed to make anyone feel uncomfortable. In fact, the opposite. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other question from the candidate's perspective is, should they be wearing anything in particular? Uh, I think the candidates should wear what they feel most comfortable in. Okay. Um, I've often seen candidates who, who look like they're actually squirming because they're in a in a suit for the first time and you know I really would much be and be much happier if they're wearing something that you know preferably clean and you know <laughs> sort of fine but it, it's just it's much easier for them to think it's much easier for me to think I mean that's not the point I mean yes. it's clearly not the point um, of, not of, being addressed. when you select a student you're not you know selecting them what they're wearing I mean no. clearly not dress sense isn't, isn't <laughs> no. a high no well I mean if Oxford, Oxford's not famous for dress sense anyway no. so no. no we don't um, you can wear what you like sort of, <laughs> provide you feel comfortable I think um no, I mean, we're very clear that we have a set of criteria and anything that's not on those set of criteria don't count. And mm -hmm. things like how you dress, what accent you have, where you come from, all of those things are just irrelevant. What mm -hmm. we want to find is the people we think are going to do best in the law faculty at Oxford. Yeah. And we have criteria to find those and everything else, you know, is by the by. I mean, we're not interviewing for, for candidates to run Vogue. You know, this is, yes. this is law and, yes. and it's students who want to study law. The candidates will typically, as we've already mentioned, have... Uh, more than one interview now. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I think many candidates have is, um, first of all, how long are, we, are they going to be sitting there? In the interview? Yeah. It depends on the college. I think we, I would say, and Lira may, I'm not sure what you think about this, but I think the standard now is at least half an hour for the, an interview, sometimes 20 minutes to 25 minutes, but I would think roughly. Mm. Some colleges may interview slightly longer, 40, 45 minutes, but I'd be surprised if it was longer than 45 minutes. Well, don't forget, interviews are different formats sometimes yeah. because what you mm. do inside a college is you'll vary it. So one interview might have a series of questions that relate to, which are mm -hmm. um, independent of any other source mm -hmm. and that relate to the criteria. Another interview might be based on giving a candidate something to read, something short mm -hmm. to read from a legal passage. They may then go in and they may be asked a series of questions that are based on that passage. So that mm. would be neat, a neat exercise, which may take 20 minutes. Another interview may take 30 minutes. So, yeah. you know, these, these they'll be suited towards the format. But I think it's very unlikely to have an interview that's less than 20 minutes. I think that would be the shortest. Yes, and certainly nothing approaching an hour. No, it'd be unusual. It'd be unusual. I think that's a bit tiring. It's also, yeah. I mean, we, we're interviewing a lot of people in one day, so yes. um, I think it's difficult for us to do long interviews like that. Yeah. There are all sorts of strange questions that people attribute to law interviews, and there's newspapers uh, around about this time of year get a great deal of mileage out of sort of here's 20 wacky questions that you need to know the answer to to get in to do 
law at whichever university. Um, the sort of questions generally are, are fairly broad, often mm. no sense of context to them. What's your perception of these sort of questions? I mean, ha the, the, have any of these questions that you ever see on these websites, have you ever asked any of them? Well, we can be guaranteed if we see a question on a website, we're not going to ask it yes, in the interview. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, <laughs> I, mean, the, yeah, I mean, the classic ones like, you know, why is a banana curved? And yeah. these sort of odd questions that's one just sees. Silly. I mean, we ask, we ask questions primarily to test reasoning ability and the capacity of a, of a candidate to work through a problem and have a sustained approach to it. Um, often the, when you see the questions on the, in the newspapers or on the websites, they're out of context. Mm -hmm. So it may be the case you've had a discussion building up to a question and you ask the question, that's the forum in which you discuss and argue. And, and so I would caution people about sort of fixating on particular questions. Mm -hmm. I think um, really what you should be concerned about is whether how you um, work your way through problems and how you would address essentially open questions where there's no obvious right answer. I mean, I think that's what we're really interested in law is critical thinking. Mm. And often we'll ask questions to which there may not be a right answer. And what we're really looking for is the process by which someone tries to work towards that answer. But I mean, the point is that we will have taken this to the candidates through the way to approach that question, yeah. why mm. we're asking that question, mm. the context of the question before they get asked the question. Yes. Yeah. And it's the, it's the last part of it that's been going out yes. to the public yeah. domain. So I guess the worst thing a candidate can do in an interview is basically not communicate with the interviewers. Yeah. Now, some, of the, some of the most impressive interviews I've sat in on is where the candidate says, you know, after really trying the problem, says, I don't know. Mm. And the ability to actually admit that or to, in a sense, backtrack or mm. to, change, to change one's mind is a really um, important aspect of being a student and a law student in particular. Yeah. Flexibility of mind is one of the things we really look for. And yeah. so the question is designed to get at that. And often the candidate will try many, many answers and then get to a point where they say, actually, I don't know. And then we have a discussion and we try and move through these things. So if the, the questions don't often point to a particular outcome. It's also important that fluency, articulacy, speed are not the things that we're necessarily going to be impressed by. So mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we, different candidates have different ways of expressing themselves. Yep. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do, I think, if you're a candidate that's coming into an interview is to listen very, very, very clearly, as, as well as you can to yes. what's being said to you and then to take your time and think about what's mm. happening and then come back. And if you don't understand it, say, hang on a minute, I didn't get quite get that. Could you do that again? Yeah. And not to feel that they were sitting there assessing all of that stuff, yes. right? Um, it's, not, um, it's not in your interest to come in with an expectation mm -hmm. and to have a closed mind. Yes. Um, so that's, that's really my... You know, I, I fear sometimes that, that sometimes students get the advice that no matter what, they should stick to their guns. This idea that once they've established yeah. an argument, they should yeah. never retreat. Yeah. And often it, lends, it ends, ends up with them being in really awkward positions. Well, clearly they've yes. realised through discussion that their initial statement or their initial argument probably had problems, but yeah. there's somewhere someone's told them that no matter what you do, you shouldn't backtrack. Mm. And I think that's a real shame because yeah. actually we all do that, all of us in academic life and in law are constantly revising our views and revising our arguments to make them better. Mm. And that an inflexibility of mind is actually would be more problematic to me as a, as a, as a tutor. So I think one has to be careful about the advice you hear. Yeah. And I think take the interview as you find it. Yeah, and then the other point is that you'll have a scenario, often questions will be designed that start off with, a, with one piece of information. Mm. And then what we'll do is say, well, would you hold that view if mm. X occurred? Yeah. And then, obviously, the idea is to get them to think about, well, would you be able to hold that view if, mm. if there was a new piece of information? And you give them more and more information, and as that unravels, you, 
you, you'd need to be thinking about whether you change your mind in that yeah. context. So it's mm. part of the, it's actually part of the assessment. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of candidates though, are really concerned that they get asked a question, they can't answer it, and then they think that's it, game over. Oh, should really just leave no, you no. I mean, that's now. the whole point of having lots and lots of questions because I mean, some candidates get really freaked by because they can't answer it, mm. and you think, okay, you know, that's not great. So we'll mm. try another question. We'll try. We keep trying as many questions as we can, and then until we can start to have a, a, a dialogue, a, a dialogue, yeah. and yeah. that's really what we want. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nobody has the answer to every question, no. and I think we're very conscious of that as tutors that. There are some sometimes you get a question that just you can't get your head around. You have to find you know go somewhere else. And I think Leroy's absolutely right. As long as we get some demonstration of the reasoning ability and the capacity for critical thinking, mm. it may take four or five questions to get there. But if we get it and we see it and it's clear and the student displays that that ability, that's what we're looking for. And if it, that might take twenty minutes before we get to that question. I think students also have to remember that we've been through interviews and we've had experiences where we've been so nervous our brains have literally switched off and yeah. nothing's come out of our mouths and you know we needed a glass of water and needed to calm down. So we're not we're not you know immune to to pressures Interviews are human too. Yeah. So yes. we, we, we do have we do understand. I mean it's quite common that you'll ask a student something and they'll just go blank. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I mean that happens to all of us. Yeah. I think I'm hoping that many people will be listening to this before the interview mm. as opposed to weeping uncontrollably after the interview and realising where they've gone wrong. But hopefully that'll, it'll be comforting as well. <laughs> yes. Is there anything that you could suggest for a student who's at this stage, knows that there's you know an interview in the offing, mm. um, is there anything they can be doing to prepare? Anything they can be reading? Anything they can be? Trust us. Yeah. Trust, yeah. trust the interview. Trust that we're not there to try and be mean to you, that we're not trying to be to trick you out to do mm. any of those things and, 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 and hopefully not listen to all of the scary stories and mm -hmm. just, just remember that we're actually really trying to do the best that we can. I mean, I think you know, there's, there's no one thing one can read and there's no one, one technique. Um, really what it is about being open-minded and being prepared to think yeah. and you know, recognising that everyone's nervous. Yeah. That although when you come up for interview it may look like everyone else but you is incredibly confident and clearly they think they should be at Oxford but ultimately they may be bluffing yeah. and in fact um, everyone's in the same position and everyone's nervous and we as interviewers really try and take account of that so come in and be flexible open-minded and enjoy the process as mm. much as you, you know, can in the con in, in the mm. context mm. there's obviously a few a, a period where students aren't in interview but they're still here at oxford nonetheless is there anything you can suggest to them that they can be doing to make best use of that time I'll have a look around it's a very beautiful place there's lots of history mm. um so. try to get a sense of the college to try and speak to, to students who are already here mm. I mean in my college we have a you know lots of different helpers and I'm sure in some of our mm. various colleges talk to them find out what it's like find out essentially for yourself it's if it's what you want yeah um, it's a two-way process it's a two-way process yeah, you know, and ask questions in the interview ask ask around and maybe it's not for you yeah it's also I mean, there possible. Are, there are lots of wonderful universities in this country and lots of great law schools and I yeah. think you know we are we're one of them but you may find that you know the style that we we approach in this university is not for you, and that's that's perfectly fine. Mm. Um, I think that so while they're here, they should really try and sample as much of the university as they can, and talk to you know existing students. There are lots of them around at that time. It's a good opportunity to find out what it will be like when you come. Well, thank you very much for that. I've learned an awful lot today, and I hope uh, people listening have uh, have found stuff that's of, of, of use and value to them. If you've enjoyed this podcast and don't want to miss the next one, then you can sign up to the RSS feed on our website on www.admissions.ox.ac.uk slash podcasts. You can also find past podcasts at this site, or alternatively you can subscribe via iTunes, simply search for Oxford University, 
orpodoxfed and follow the instructions. Finally, for those of you who really are suckers for punishment, uh, you can read the blogs that I wrote uh, this time last year um, about the interviews, uh, which can be accessed at www.oxblogster.blogspot.com. Thank you very much for coming along today, Leora and Ben. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you found it a useful and educational experience.